0: You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback, Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Brent Sprenkel. And Brent is uh, has worked as a commercial real estate broker and is an investor in Los Angeles um, for uh, Brickadia, uh specializing in apartment sales. He's got over twenty years of experience in in lending and on the lending side and on the sales side um, in assessing, you know, his real estate portfolio and his clients' portfolios. And um, he's been one of Brickadia's top ten brokers for the last six years. And uh, you know, his sales of commercial properties have exceeded over $1.2 billion. Uh, He's coming at us from Manhattan Beach in in sunny California. Uh, and he actually recently uh, wrote a book called The Billion Dollar Portfolio. So we want to hear more about that. So I want to welcome Brent to the show and, and thanks for coming on.
0: Absolutely, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Really excited about today.
1: Great. So what's a billion dollar portfolio? What does that mean?
0: Well, the, the story behind the book, and as I explained to everybody, was over the last 20 years, I've worked with all these individuals who started with nothing and now own these massive portfolios of whether it's apartment buildings, office buildings, shopping centers, industrial. These guys started with nothing, and now they have these huge portfolios. And people have always come up and asked me, you work with so and so. How did they get started? What's this guy's story? Did this person come from wealth? And you know, people wanted me just to kind of tell them about these individuals. So I was happy to do it. And then I just started thinking, you know, it's really motivational and it's inspiring what these guys did. And why not like write a book about it? Because kind of no one's really done that. Like just like taking individuals that have achieved these massive portfolios and let everyone kind of read it to understand what they did and the steps they took the mistakes they made, what they would do if they did it over again. So that's what the book is about. It's about how people started with nothing and wound up with these huge portfolios and what other people can do to start, you know, go from that investment house that they have or that duplex and keep buying more and more and expanding their empire.
1: Right. So what's the secret?
0: I wouldn't say it's a secret, Anthony, as we all know, It's one step at a time. It's one deal at a time. The common trait all these people had was they were constantly buying, they were constantly looking, and it was kind of a a game for them. It was a hobby. It was like the, the board game Monopoly. They just enjoyed doing it. They enjoyed getting up in the morning and looking at the emails that came in on deals for sale looking on, you know, LoopNet and the internet and the multiple listing service and whatever, you know, they use to find deals for sale. They were constantly looking, constantly talking to people on the phone, constantly driving properties and making offers. You know, a client of mine, Danny said, there's a correlation between the number of deals he buys and the number of offers he makes. And it sounds so simple, but if you're not in a game, you're out of it. If you're not trying to make offers, you're not. And I also, as I like to buy deals as well. I've found so many times that I'd make excuses for myself. It's too expensive right now. The market's going to crash. The rent seemed tapped out. I'd make excuses, whereas these clients of mine, they just kept buying deals and kept building and building and building. Sure, when a recession hits, they feel a little bit of pain. Everybody does. But no one's over leveraged. And all these guys had massive cash reserves, so everyone can get through the tough times. And that's really what the story was about.
1: That's excellent. So, how does someone take their portfolio from, like you mentioned, a duplex or triplex or fourplex to the, the 10plex and then the 10plex to the fifty, and then the fifty to hundred? That's it's how, how does um, how, how have you seen the pattern? Is it like you said? It sounds like is consistency, but how does somebody? And I I come across this all the time with individuals I speak to where they're like, well. I can buy, you know, a couple duplexes a year because I gotta have 25% down, yada yada yada. How do I get to the next step? Um, I feel like a lot of people get stuck too in that Correct. in that box. Um, so how do how have you seen, you know, individuals you've studied move on?
0: You're only going to get so far with your own money. Real estate, unfortunately, is very cash intensive. Everyone knows that. That's the big issue with real estate. But you have to take what means you have and put them to better work. So the interesting story that I'm going to tell you real quickly is a client of mine named Rao. Rao grew up in India, came to the United States to get his master's degree in engineering and wound up working for an air quality board out here in Los Angeles as an engineer. A guy he worked with bought a duplex and was telling Rao how great it was. He lived at an apartment building, Rao, and the on-site manager told him that he got free rent just to live there and make minor repairs and collect rents. And Raul at this point in his life, his biggest expense was his rent. And he's like, wow, I I should go get a job being an onsite manager. So Raul looked in the paper, found an onsite manager job and learned how to make minor repairs, collect rent, do the normal things that most landlords do. And then Raul started thinking maybe I should go buy my own deal. And he looked in the paper, he didn't really have any money. And he saw a for sale by owner and he called the guy and Convince the owner that because Raul knew how to do property management and make minor repairs, that he was the right guy for the deal. And the seller sold it to him, carried paper. Now, like a month later, Raul's in his, at at a doctor's appointment, and he's telling his doctor about this deal he bought. And the doctor's like jaw dropped, like what? Like he, he bought that thing with like almost nothing down, and you're doing the management. And was like, yeah. He's like, well, next time you find a deal like that, like I'll put up. You can you can run it, and I'll be your investor. A month later, Raul found a deal. That happened. Month later, that same doctor brought a couple of friends in. The guy he worked with who owned a duplex decided to do some deals with him. Like a year later, Raoul, was like six buildings and it just snowballed. The investors kept bringing friends in, word of mouth hits. It's similar to what you guys are probably doing. People find out, they hear the stories, And Rao just had investors that kept putting up all the the money on these things. His biggest issue was finding more product, finding more deals that met his criteria, which is the number one problem with real estate as well. So I'd say number two, finding deals. So that's really a story. But like I mentioned, you can refinance what you have. You could sell it to do a 1031 exchange, line of credit. There's ways that you can come up with a down payment for a property. But at a certain point, you're probably going to need to take investors in unless you have a massive source of, annual income.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. And and I always tell people who ask the same question I just posed to you is the way at least most real estate companies grow, from my experience, grow through partnerships. So that's, at least in my mind, it's key to growing the business, at, even for my business as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, you're going to have, you, on your own, you can only do so much you can only buy so many buildings with whatever amount of money you have coming in. I have clients that have amazingly successful jobs and millions of dollars a year coming in of income and you know they're just investing buying apartment buildings but even those guys are now doing syndications and One guy's out now in Austin buying some humongous building with a bunch of investors. And this guy's name is Mark. He didn't even have an investor until two years ago. So it seems like the natural path of progress, but on the other end, a lot of people just like owning their own deals because they can control it and they can truly kind of decide to take a vacation. They don't have any investors to answer to. And everyone's got to find their own path and what they're comfortable with and where they want to go
1: long-term. Absolutely, I, I would um, second that. Uh, so, what else is what else is in the book that's interesting? Well,
0: it, we talk about a lot of different asset classes, what to do, what not to do, and everyone really asked me, Brent, it's so expensive right now. Like these deals make no sense. There are four cap. There's all sorts of issues. I don't know if rents are going up. Under COVID, a lot of tenants aren't even paying rent, right? And there's an eviction moratorium. So people ask me, like, why bother? Why not just put money in the stock market or just wait for a sunnier day? Because right now, it's a little gloomy outside. I tell everybody that they have to have what I call a developer's mindset. They have to look at every property and say to themselves, if I'm going to buy this building, what can I do to add value? How am I going to take this thing from The return is at right now to something drastically better. How am I going to increase the income? How am I going to improve the property? Because everyone's goal is to find a way to make the deal more valuable, to find the deal to cash flow better. But even more importantly, if you can buy a building for say a million dollars, put three hundred thousand down, seven hundred thousand dollar loan, and you can increase the value of the property to say one three or one four a year or two later you know everyone knows this. you go back you refinance a property you pull most of your down payment out you move on to the next deal and you put that property that you have is still under management it's still cash flowing you pick up all the you still have all the tax uh, benefits to it and then you move on to the next deal i mean that is how these people have created so much long term wealth by continuing to buy refinancing repositioning their cash, and just continuing on that long-term. Good times, bad times, recession, up market, down market, you name it, they're constantly buying, constantly adding. So the entire book is really about how these people did it and what other people can do. It's not a how to buy deals with zero down. I mean, that that book's been written before. It it makes no sense in today's world. It's, It's really about, it's really geared towards people who already own a few things and want to improve and want to keep buying. That's really the premise of the entire book.
1: Interesting. So what's your philosophy? And we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast on where the market is today, given where interest rates are. And, you know, obviously it has an effect on cap rates too. Uh, So what do you say for, especially, you know, multifamily investors that are getting discouraged in the buying market right now because they're, seeing that nothing's really penciling out. Just like the stock
0: market, the real estate market is really hot to the point that it's kind of head scratching hot. But the fundamentals are still there. I mean, people still have to have a place to live with the exception of a few places. Most tenants are paying rent. The rental market seems to be stable in most places. Rents are not free falling downward like they were in 2010. That was a scary time. So people still look at apartment buildings as well as industrial as a safe investment. Cash in the bank is doing nothing. Anthony, as you and I discussed, during the pandemic, people were sitting in their houses bored, and a lot of them just took advantage of the low interest rates. They refinanced properties. They went heavy, heavy, heavy on cash. They built these war chests up, thinking that come the end of 2020 or 2021, there were going to be great deals to buy, and they were going to go out and capitalize on that. Well, the issue, just like the stock market, everyone's sitting on a pile of cash and they're all trying to do the same thing, which means that prices have remained high. And until people spend this liquidity that they want to, quote unquote, unload out of their bank accounts, we're going to have this consistent high pricing on apartment buildings. It's going to continue. Things might change in a year and maybe they change in six months. But until the stock market starts to move, Until the real estate market or the economy starts to change, until people have spent this huge amount of liquidity sitting idle in their bank accounts, people want to place their money. It seems like in the United States, people hate having cash sitting in the bank. They want to go out and invest. So I don't suspect we're going to see prices go lower. I'm no economist, clearly, but I don't see any reason why prices are going to go lower. They already would
1: have. Right, right. Especially, um, you know, given the major effects that the pandemic has had on businesses and and, and whatnot it's it's in, insane to still see the stock market at the levels where it is today and obviously oh. everything's at least in the northeast and I'm sure by you in California loosening up now I mean it's been for the most part mostly loose in the rest of the country um, for the past six months I would say but um, yeah it's it'd be very interesting so you're seeing a lot of investors. That were on the sidelines in 2020. They're still a little bit on the sidelines 2021, but they're starting to get anxious.
0: People want to spend their money. They just they don't know what to do with it. They've been waiting for opportunities. They they said, you know, I have X in the bank. I usually only have a third of that in the bank, so I need to spend some of that. And they also don't feel uncomfortable that they're going to to run out of liquidity in a year or two. In 2009, 2010, people were like, I don't know the next time I'm going to come across any money. So what I have, I don't want to spend it. No one has that fear now, which is really interesting psychologically. People don't feel that all of a sudden the economy is just going to go crash and they're going to have no money. I don't know if it was the stimulus or something else that happened on on the Fed up high and higher level government, but people just don't seem to have that insecurity that things are going to get drastically worse. As we know, the government seems to be printing money, and they have been since 2010. So I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. So I'm not sure if that's answered your questions, but I don't see cap rates and prices getting better anytime soon. But there could be some sort of another event a year from now in the economy that changes things. But if we've gotten this far with that price is crashing, I think maybe there'll just be a small dip. It's hard to really say. Hard
1: to say, Anthony. Right. No, it's, it's definitely a good point. Um, let's go back to your book a little bit. I know in your book, uh, you mentioned the three T's. What, what is that? Oh. Is that the toilets? trash Tenants,
0: uh, trash, and toilets. People told me when I got into the business back in 2000, oh, I hate apartments, the three T's. And they told me that analogy, and I just kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, well... You know, even office industrial, there's still toilets there and you still have tenants and you still have some level of trash. But the issue was, it's just an ongoing headache with apartments, you know, dealing with them. And I think COVID has certainly made things a little bit more challenging because the tenants are stuck at home all day. I'm looking at P&Ls, you know, profit and loss statements, and I'm comparing 2020 with 2019, And the utilities have gone up like 40% in these apartment buildings because the tenants are home all day. They're running electricity, running water, flushing the toilets. The trash has gone up. All the costs have gone up. So that's going to unfortunately drive into the the net income of these properties. And it it is going to have some sort of effect on the values. Is it short term? It should be. But there's also discussion that tenants might not be going back to work in droves like We would have assumed a lot of people are comfortable and happy and their employers are going to be okay with them working remotely. So that just could become our culture to a certain point. And there's going to be even more headaches with tenants, trash and toilets, but as an investor, you just have to cope with it. It's part of the, part of the program. If you want to be in the apartment business.
1: And that's what I was just going to ask you when you're, you know, interviewing or, you know, in your book, you you talk about your clients who really, Scaled up and everybody hates the three T's. So, uh, do these, do most of your clients who own these buildings, do they also do the management themselves or do they outsource that part and their job's just to find the next deal?
0: So, property management is a necessary evil. And I talk a lot in a book about that. Um, If you really want to scale your business, you're going to have to give up control to a certain extent. It's just not possible for you to be spending all your time trying to find deals to buy, financing, refinancing, dealing with your investors. And at the same time, looking, collecting rents, dealing with a leaky toilet. It's just, you can't do it. You're going to have to turn it over to third party management or bring staff in. But if you bring staff in, then you've got issues with staffing and everything else. So it's just cleaner typically to go third party. There's more cost involved. But most of the big property owners that we deal with, especially the people owned across the country, they're using third-party management. They just realize that they can't go into a different market instead of the shop. They don't know enough about it. Also, they don't have enough economy of scale. And plus, if it's not working out with that company, they can just terminate them and hire someone else. You hire your own staff, they're not working out. Good With the labor laws, good luck getting rid of them anytime soon. It's just a messy, ugly situation. Hiring and firing people isn't what it used to be. So it, it just depends. Some people just can't give up that control, but those are also the people that haven't gotten those billion dollar portfolios because they just aren't willing to focus on growing as opposed to focus on focusing on management. And then I have a client named Jeff who just didn't do any management, just completely neglected it and got himself in trouble with the city. He was out so busy. He, he was so busy out raising funds and buying other properties. He completely neglected his building and got deemed a slum by the city and was forced to sell some of his assets. So there's a fine balance in there. But if you want to scale your business, you're going to have to really give up control over certain things. And one of them is management. Sure.
1: That that really makes sense. Uh, Brent, how can people find you? How can they learn more about you? How can they find your book?
0: Really easy. They can email me. Well, the book is on Amazon, Billion Dollar Portfolio. Easy to find it. You'll have it the next day if you order today. It's super easy to find that one. They can email me, email address Sprenkel Apartments at gmail.com, S P R E N K L E, apartments with an S at the end at gmail.com. Or they can even call me, 310 621
1: 8221. Easy as that. Great. And what we'll do is we'll put a link to um, your your number, and if that's okay, and your email. yeah. And a link to where, you know, our listeners can find your book and and purchase it if they so desire to, and also reach out to you and connect to you, with you if they yeah, want. Yeah, that's, so, that's
0: great, Anthony. Appreciate that. Yeah, whatever I can do to help you out and your your listeners, your followers, it's to be my pleasure.
1: Sure. Well, we we appreciate you coming on. So, if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please also give uh, our show a rating and review on iTunes. So. Brent and I can get our message out to more people. That's just the way iTunes unfortunately works. So please do that. And please check out Brent and his book and his platform and reach out to him if if you're interested in what he has to say.
0: Great. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it.
1: Great. Thank you.